Welcome to episode 21 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Psychomer trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to psychomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by the generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. This episode is brought to you by PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military cultural content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find more about PsychArmor at psycharmor.org. This week, I'm having a conversation with Air Force veteran Dr. Dallas Kreitzer. Dr. Kreitzer is the Regional Education Coordinator for the University of Charleston, West Virginia in the School of Business and Leadership. He's a consultant with the American Council on Education in which he assesses military workplace learning and official training courses to determine if there's college-level learning equivalencies that can be recommended for the award of credit. Dr. Kreitzer retired from the Kentucky Air National Guard in 2015 after over 35 years of service in the Air Force, Air Force Reserve, and Air National Guard. He deployed in 2012 to Kandahar Province, Afghanistan, with the Army National Guard Agribusiness Development Team, working with Afghan farmers. You can find out more about Dallas by taking a look at his bio in our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with him and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. You've been involved in higher education for a number of years, and you also come from a military background, having served for over three decades in the Air Force, Air Force Reserve, and Air National Guard. I'm interested to hear your passion for the intersection between military service and higher education. Great question. You know, sometimes I look back on that intersection and wonder how it all came about. I was a high school kid that was just kind of getting along, and uh, a buddy of mine invited me to, to go and look at the guard with him, and it put me on a journey that I thought I never thought of. It was just amazing how it blossomed. But as I was doing my military career, I realized that if I was going to do anything, if I was going to stay a long time, I wanted to be commissioned. So I was an enlisted guy and I started on my bachelor's degree. I started looking at all the military courses I had done. I asked my, my folks that for the school I was going to, hey, how can I use this? And they introduced me to the American Council on Education and the Military Guide and how they evaluated workplace learning for military people. And it created a pathway for me to complete my bachelor's degree, which then I drank the Kool-Aid of higher ed. And I went in after a master's as soon as I finished that and pushed forward. The military always enabled my education, even so much so that I, I went to school to go to seminary for my master's. And I was able to work my schedule taught Air Force ROTC at the University of Louisville, and it allowed me to see how I could help other military folks with this credit for prior learning. Opened up doors that allowed me to work on my PhD, and off to the races we, we went. And all the way along, the military intersected, either providing the desire to get education or to open the door by paying the tuition or introducing me to new knowledge that I wasn't thinking about, wasn't even on my radar. I went to this school called Advanced Air and Space Studies. SAS is the acronym. And 
It is to develop strategists for the military. Wow. It just opened up my view on what strategy and why we should do this. It was the Book a Day Club. I had just finished my PhD at the University of Louisville, and we read one book almost every day for a year, 187 books later, and walked out with the strategy and changed the way that I even looked at my study for my doctoral degree, because this was a master's degree. It just continues to open up more opportunities for me. Now, here's the the crux of it, though. I was not headed in any direction, did not think I was a college student, didn't think I was college material, but the military created a pathway for me that I didn't even realize was there. And that was 1990. And that's something I think that maybe people who haven't served, they think is, oh, money for college, that it's just sort of a transactional thing. But really, the military has always historically been a way for individuals to improve themselves. The GI Bill was as much a reason why the middle class in, in, in the post-World War II and the greatest generation, right? It's similar to you. My mother was a seamstress. My stepfather was a maintenance worker. My dad was a security guard. We were straight blue collar. And I thought I wanted to go to college, but I was a first generation college kid. When I was 19 years old, nobody in my family had gone. And and like you, it was the military that not just gave me the resources to learn, but also the desire to learn and the ability to succeed in that kind of format. So there's actually a theory behind this, Malcolm Knowles and Andragogy, the teaching of adults. We have to have that desire to learn to really get out there and get motivated. I went in the guard, tried college out, was my thing. I liked work, so I went active duty. But while I was on active duty, there was constant teaching, constant education. And you talk about this has been a way that we've been doing this for a long time. It goes back to 1918 and the War Powers Act and how all of that came together because they saw the need to help military individuals get prepared for the workforce as they were coming out of the wars. It's a a way for them to create jobs through education because it wasn't a, a very popular thing. Now with the GI Bill, my goodness, it just opens up so many opportunities. And I get to work with a lot of military folks now, particularly in the Army. It's still the same way as when I came in. A lot of folks go to the Army thinking, hey, I'm going to go there. It's a job. Some go for education, but a lot of them are first-generation students. No one in their family has gone to college, and I get a chance to talk with them. And I always do this one little thing where I say, put your hand up. If you join the military, that's easy. They're all in uniform. They're in there. Okay, if you have some college degree, put your hand down. If you have some college, put your hand down. And then there's about a third or so that still have their hand up. And I say, so you have no college, right? And they're like, right, no college. Wrong. Put your hand down. That was a trick question. Because through programs like the American Council on Education, you have college for the very fact that you went to basic training. And then your occupation in the military, they've identified credit for that also. That is earned, not given, because you've done the studies. Our military is so advanced in educating and training people in a way that it was never done before. You said three decades. That made me feel really old when you put it that way. But I came in in 1980. Education was there. It wasn't as important. But today, the military has learned the value of educating their people for service and for when they leave the service, because they're our greatest asset for advocating for the military defense industry and what's going on there and the protection of our country. I'm really passionate about this whole education thing in the military. And and I think, and it's obvious, and and, and obviously the hope is that we're as effective as, as our passion is, and, and definitely you've done that. But 
in that idea of that group of service members there who they don't know they have college, they don't know the value of it. I didn't at one time. I, I How I started on my educational journey is I was punked into it. One of my junior NCOs, he was an E5, I was an E7. He had just gotten his associate's degree in the mail and he was very proud and he came in the office and he showed me and he said, oh, look, I've got my degree. And he said, what's your degree in, Sergeant? And I said, my degree's in none of your business on my face, right? <laughs> now, because at that point, it was all career. It was, And I was a sergeant right. first class. Mm-hmm. And, and it was all army for me at that point. And he was like, yeah, yeah. But he was like, you, you don't realize exactly the same thing that you were saying. And I started looking into it. And that actually started me off on a 10-year journey. I couldn't do what I'm doing now as a mental health professional, obviously, without the education. But I think that a lot of service members don't realize the value of not just while they're in, but how it's going to help them and their families once they're out. Sure, exactly. So let me go down that road for a second. Let's talk about real life application of this. So I'm at the University of Charleston, West Virginia, and we have a very military ready. We're more than friendly. We're ready to help folks out. And in that, one profession that's really on the front burner, if you will, is cybersecurity or computer science training. If a young person goes into the Army and they go off to their initial training for being a cybersecurity or a signal person, which is really a network administrator, they're earning 15 hours of college credit in that initial training that can be applied. We use it at the University of Charleston directly in our cybersecurity program. So they've got one semester out of the way already. It is a great way to help them. We use nine hours of those 15 hours that they get, and then we use some of it for uh, gen ed credit. And by doing that, it puts them on a path while they're in the military to complete the rest of that degree so that when they come out of the military, they have great opportunities to work. And it's when you tell someone that, they're they're stunned. And it's in the article that, that I had a chance to work on with Michelle Spires and Luis Suarez from ACE about how they can do that. Every job in the military military has some kind of college level learning that we can identify. And it opens doors. They are employable. They can have a great career in the military. And it just moves you forward. And not having that knowledge does the opposite, right? It closes doors. If the hurdles to achievement are too high, then some veterans won't even start. They only access or, or try to upskill through higher education, which is a loss for them and their community. It can be challenging for a lot of service members to spend so much time accumulating the knowledge and the experience only to be told they have to start all over again. That sort of invalidates their service. Great point. Great point. When colleges and universities, and this is really coming along right now with the credit for prior learning initiatives for adult learners or post-traditional learners to be able to come back to college because we've seen how valuable that is, how to get certificates and such. But I'd like to take it another step. You talk about it closing doors for the service member, but also for the family. Mm -hmm. As, As a service member, we really want the very best for our kids as parents, all right? For me, I did not realize how significant this was going to be until I was walking across the stage way back in 1994, and there were two kids in the audience. They were 9 and 12, my boys, and they saw what I had to go through to get that college degree, and they saw how it changed our lives and how it opened up doors, and they said, both of them, Dad, not doing it your way, not going to night school, not waiting until I'm in my 30s. They both went to school right out of high school. They completed their bachelor's degree. So I'm a first-generation student. This is all new for us. But for them, they were second generation. Mm -hmm. Today, 
One is a lawyer and doing great work, loves it. And the other just graduated with his doctorate in ministry. So I have my minister and my sinister. And, but they, it changed their world. They live a life now that I could never have imagined because growing up, we were poor. College and the military opened doors for me that I could not have opened on my own. No, and I think that's really critical. A lot of again, this idea of once I leave the military, what do I do with the rest of my life? But yes, it's setting them up for success. It, same yeah. as you, I had to figure out all of the admissions and the applications and stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. But now I have two kids. One's uh, about she's about to graduate with her teaching certificate, and the other one's doing a little bit of mid college exploration, which is fine, which is the place to be able to do that. But they didn't have to figure out all of the grants and the loans and the applications on their own because I had already been through it. But then how much better are their children, right? Our grandchildren. And this is the military is not just a support for us in in being able to use the military experience to get a head start, because it's not just a head start in the credits, it's a head start in the maturity and the discipline needed for these rigorous academic degrees. And then we can talk about how does it impact our spouses. My wife, she's smart. She's brilliant. Okay. Her only shortcoming is that she had a moment of weakness to marry this guy because he's not real smart. And, but we were going along, journeying in life. And I ended up going on a deployment to Afghanistan with the Army, Air Force guy on an Army mission. Kind of weird. So I had to train with the Army for a year, and our grandson, first grandson, second grandchild, was born, and he was in the NICU, and we were in there, and she's, I always wanted to be a nurse. I'm thinking, you are the smart one. She graduated in the top 10% of her class, actually top 20 in the class. You should go. You should be a nurse. I'm so much older now, 49, and I said, take my GI Bill, because I had used my TA and all this stuff effectively. And I had a pot of money of GI Bill money left over. So at 49, she started nursing school. She drank the education Kool-Aid. She has her bachelor's now in nursing. And at 52, she started being a nurse and she loves it. She still does it today. And it changed her world. Education and the ability to do it within the military community has just revolutionized my family. It's uh, I just can't say it enough. And there are other stories out there just like mine. But the sad part is there are a lot more stories of people that haven't used it while they were in the military. And now they're playing catch up in retirement or separation. And uh, that's challenging. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, I wish I would have done this while I was in the military. And they can do it. We can help them. And it's in that can be daunting, right? And how you eat an elephant, you're standing there in front of the elephant. You're like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get this right. done. And that's where credits for prior experience can help them take a little bit of, off of that elephant and make it a little easier to eat, which may be the only barrier that's keeping them from success. Sure. And this translates not only from the military community, but into the civilian sector, because there's a lot of professional development that goes on in the civilian sector that can fall right into this credit for prior learning and help them complete their degree. For our military professionals, when they're coming out, they want to be positioned well, and they can be if they've done their homework, not only in degrees, but certificates. The the COOL program is a great way to get cybersecurity certificates paid for while you're in the military. I keep going to cyber because that's my hot spot right now. But the soft skills that military professionals have, you you were in, the soft skills that we gain from our professional development in the military is in huge demand on the outside. 
and we don't realize that. So even other degrees, leadership degrees, organizational development degrees, there are places for everyone to serve. And we need to help them to understand that because they'll go, if I get just a bachelor's degree, what's it going to do for me? It will open your world and it will open the door to lots of opportunities. And not just in a transactional way, but a transformational way. You said that it, it helps you see the world differently or understand. Right. Not saying that those people that, that haven't gone to school don't have a different or, or a legitimate oh, right. view, but it you're exposed to new ideas. You, you develop new ways of thinking and just new ways of operating. And that can can't help but be beneficial. So I told you my wife is really smart. Okay, She was always really smart. But once she started working on her degree and was exposed to more critical thinking techniques and logic and reason and all this stuff, I really started to think I'm not sure I like her going to education because now she's questioning some of the things I want to do using logic and reason, whereas maybe I used it the other way before to my advantage. Now she can counter my argument in a much better way. She's always been smart. Please don't hear me saying that. And there are plenty of jobs out there where people have great ability and knowledge. I'm just saying that as you go through higher ed, it really does change the way you see the world. And so the American Council on Education, they are leading the way in recognizing these prior learning credits across the military right. and in corporate mm -hmm. settings. Some of that prior learning is what people think, right? You just mentioned as they go through their cybersecurity training, it's a former occupational training, but also includes professional development and occupational learning experiences, which you were just referring to those soft skills. So let's think about it. As you're out there in the workforce and you're doing something, no matter if you're in the military or if you're in the civilian sector, you're going to learn things about how to lead people, how to develop teams, how to confront team dynamics, and something along the lines of how to develop your people, talent management. All of these things are taught in academia, but they're practiced out there in the workforce. And by then going, okay, let's take a look at what you're learning. Can you put this into a portfolio that would be equivalent to a college course. When I talk with folks about doing something like that, and I've done some work with the Council on Adult and Experiential Learning, CALE, which they have great resources to help people to understand how to identify workplace learning and turn it into a college credit to be recognized. But you start talking to them and you say, so have you ever led a team? Yes, I've led a team. Well, how did you learn to lead a team? Oh, it was experience. No, you probably did a little bit more about trial and error. Maybe you read a book, maybe Pat Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team or something. Oh, yeah, I did. Well, see, that's all learning. That's self-directed learning. So let's talk about how that learning happened. And there's a theory out there, Kolb, David Kolb talked about experiential learning and how we have a concrete experience that then goes into, you reflect on it and then you abstractly look at it and say, here's how I can do this in the future. And then you actively experiment with it in a learning environment and you constantly cycle through this, but it's really a spiral that goes up. Because each time you go through that cycle with something, you get better at it. Think about that first time you presented before an audience. You did a PowerPoint slide and you got up there and you stumbled and fumbled through and you're like, I'm not going to do it that way. Somebody coached you a little bit, said, here's a better technique. All this comes together in what the military does to teach their folks. The military is fantastic about teaching instructors for their mission not necessarily for higher education. Marrying these two experiential learning opportunities together, we can convert that into 
college credit. One of the examples I think is my own personal experience is in addition to my my mainstream military experience, I was a recruiter for three years. So I went through recruiting school, but then I had three years of sales and marketing training. I'm a mental health professional now because Uh I was interested in the psychology of of individual motivation back then. And, And like you, I did have the benefit of going to a school that recognized that and used that experiential time that I had for course credit for marketing and sales and and things like that. But that's what you're talking about is the occupational experience. Not the school didn't get me that. It was the three years that I did putting troops in the army that did that. So let's go there for a minute. Army recruiters are one of my favorite folks to talk to. That's not very often. So I don't hear that very much. So I appreciate that. (laughs) I've got one guy. Can I bring up a name of somebody, recruiter? Okay. Josh Gregerson. He is awesome. He and I had a chance to meet when he was at a recruiter school at Fort Knox, and we talked about what kind of credit Army recruiters earn while they're in the school, but also on the job. And he has put in the last year and a half, maybe two years, over three dozen recruiters into education somewhere, about three three dozen in my school at the University of Charleston, West Virginia, because he realizes they have three years that they're going to lay their head down on the same bed every night. No deployments. They're going to work hard, but they're home. They stay in their community. And during that three years, they can knock out their bachelor's degree, which will set them up for the rest of their career in the military or to transition into civilian life doing like you just said. Because here's what happens when you go into the recruiter school, nine hours, marketing sales, interpersonal communication, team leadership. So those apply. There's nine hours toward a bachelor's degree. And then you have the rest of your military career that you've already accomplished. Most of them will come in with an 80 percent solution to graduation. Plus, once they get on the job, there are there's more credit. There's about 27 credit hours for army recruiters that are that they can use within a school to complete their degree. Wow, it just blows my mind. As soon as they hear that, they're like, "Are you kidding me? You mean I can really complete my degree while I'm here? It's going to be hard. It's not easy. You've already earned this credit. You just need to finish the rest." And it's, you get really excited with them. And it's the difference between, like you just said, if somebody's coming out of the military cold, they've got to go through that process of associate's degree, bachelor's degree. I was able to, and, and using this, I was able to get my associate's degree, my bachelor's degree, and an undergrad certificate while I was on active duty mm-hmm. so that I could then get two master's degree afterwards. If I start from from flat feet you don't have that. And and so there's so many more benefits of getting education. I'm a fan. What do they say is I'm I'm not just a, the president. I'm a member of the club. So I drank the Kool-Aid with you. Dallas, this has been great. If people wanted to find more about how they could take advantage of this, it's been around for decades, for a long time, but how can listeners, either service members and veterans or those that support them, how can they find out more? So there are a couple of different ways. First of all, connect with your veteran services coordinator at a college or institution. Go to your education office at your military installation. They can point you in a direction. Know that you're not going to have all the answers. It's okay. They're there to have all those answers and to help you. And if you don't find that way, look around you. There are people that you don't realize that are going to college that can say, hey, here's how I did it. This is how it worked for me, which is what Josh Gregerson does. He just says, "Here's here it is, word of mouth, and people will help you out. I would also encourage them to get on the American Council for Education website. Just go in and type ACE Military Guide, and it will bring up 
a web page where you can type in your career and it will tell you what kind of credit you may have already earned. Pull your joint service transcript. That's the easiest thing. It's going to lay it right out for you. And then when you do that, talk to folks. Go talk to your educators. You can email me. I, I do represent a particular school, but I represent veterans. I want you to go where you want to go and what's going to work best for you. Not necessarily my institution, which is a great school. We have a wonderful team, but there are lots of wonderful teams out there and you need to go where you feel comfortable. Absolutely. That's great. And I'll make sure to put all of those in the show notes. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yes. Excellent. Thanks for having me. And I am just excited with what you guys are doing at Psych Armor to help educate employers, military service members, spouses, and educators on, on our community because we are different. Absolutely. There's not enough of us out there. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. As you can hear, both Dallas and I are strong advocates for higher education for service members and veterans. There's a lot of great reasons to do it, and now that the GI Bill doesn't expire, it's never too late to get started. Sometimes, though, service members might have some misconceptions about college that keep them from pursuing it. They may say to themselves, I was never a good student in high school. I'm not smart enough. College isn't for me. Those reasons may not actually be true, though. I was a solid B- student in high school, and I had a couple of Fs on the permanent record by the time I was done. I did try a semester of college before I joined, and it wasn't for me. More solid B-average work, but at the rate I was going, it would have taken me four years to get an associate's degree. In my family, college was a goal, but nobody had been through it and could help me out. That's one of the disadvantages of being a first-generation college student. Besides, at that point in my life, crawling around in the woods doing army stuff sounded much more exciting than sitting in a classroom. When I got around to going back to college, as I mentioned in my conversation, I was 15 years older and had a lot of time in the military. I had more maturity, more discipline, and all stereotypes aside, the army had helped me get smarter, not dumber. Many veterans get into college thinking that it's not for them and finding out that it's not entirely true. So in 10 years of college, I got an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, undergrad certificate in counseling and psychology, and two master's degrees. This from a guy who had a couple of Fs on his record getting out of high school. But it's important to consider the reason for going to school. College is not a destination once we leave the military. It's a pathway to the destination. It's not the room that we go to. It's a hallway between rooms. Don't use college just for something to do or for the money it brings. Use higher education to change your life because that's ultimately what it's for. The other point that I'd like to make is something that Dallas mentions in the conversation. Education isn't just for us, it's for our families. Of course, we know that a college degree can lead to more lucrative financial opportunities, which can raise the standard of living for a family. But studies have shown that parental education has an impact on child development. Showing our children that we are improving our education can drive them to improve their education. John Adams, second president of the United States, once said in a letter to his wife, I must study politics and war that our sons may have liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. Our sons ought to study mathematics and philosophy in order to give their children a right to study painting, poetry, music, and art. His point was that he had to improve himself so that their sons could build off of that foundation so that their children can build off the foundation of those that had gone before them. 
Having education in a household can do so many great things, and the opportunity is there for those who served. We just have to take advantage of it. So, of course, the Psych Armor Resource of the Week is related to higher education. This week's resource is the Psych Armor Course Series for Ill and Injured Student Veterans Seeking Higher Education, sponsored by Paralyzed Veterans of America. In this two-course series, Sean Castle, Deputy Executive Director for Paralyzed Veterans of America, discusses the benefits of having a college degree in addition to military training, and Maureen Elias, an Associate Legislative Director for Government Relations at Paralyzed Veterans of America, discusses how ill and injured students can seek appropriate assistance and support through their school's accessibility or disability office. You can find out more by going to the link in the resource section of the show notes. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find at psycharmor.org forward slash BTM21, as well as on the PsychArmor website. You will find the link to everything we talked about in today's show, as well as hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. Thank you for joining me on this episode and for continuing to join us on this journey. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation, and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you think about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we would like for you to do that, but make sure you let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode. And until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.